of my message this morning is gratitude, attitude, altitude. So, like, there you go. Barry's up here just, come on, man. I just, where you, that's all it was, just tee me up? Not teeing me off, just teeing me up. All right. We're getting the mic out there. You know, I was back trying to do the slides and all kinds of other problems for morning. I was getting the mic out. And, uh, you know, so Barry thought it'd be helpful. He plugs in the, the lapel mic to the thing. I'm like, no, kids, I don't I got to put this one in there. And uh, so we started laughing. That's pretty funny. This thing is giving me noise this morning, though. Let's see what's going to happen with it. I probably should have. No second. No. Just gonna tuck this in here. Everybody see a little bit of skin there? Is that the... <laughs> there we go? Maybe I'll just use the handheld. Yep. All right. How's that? No snap, crackle, pop. Should only be in your Rice Krispies bowl. It shouldn't be anywhere else. That's for sure. And some of you are maybe too young to know what that's a reference to, but. <laughs> Uh, You know, as I mentioned last Sunday on Thanksgiving Sunday, when I first began to explore uh, back in 2012, we were looking at what our values were as a church, and we started talking about this, and and Glenn used to come to all of our staff meetings in the morning, you know, and uh, he was like the patron saint of Desert Stream, and uh, so Glenn was in there, and, and, and as I mentioned last week, he told us that there was going to be 12 values. And we said, well, how do you know that? He goes, because there's 12 months of the year, so you're going to have 12 values. And uh, then he told us that the most important one was gratitude. And as we, we prayed and meditated on it, we, and we nailed down what we felt were our 12 highest values at this, in this house, he was right. Gratitude was right near the top. And, uh, and then he said, no, he said, it's the most important value of all, because if you don't have a heart of gratitude, then you don't have the proper foundation underneath your life. And the Bible's constantly telling us to give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. From the Old Testament right through to the end of the New, we're told repeatedly to give thanks, because we are supposed to be individuals overflowing with a heart of gratitude. And so when we think about gratitude, it's it's you know, I remember it was, I believe it was Joseph Stalin that said that gratitude was the attitude for dogs, that he thought gratitude was a thing, uh, a religious device that was used to keep people bound so that they never experienced liberty that communism was supposed to bring them. And uh, we all know how that worked out. So, you know, the reality is it's just the opposite, that gratitude is the attitude that propels us beyond and above our circumstances and allows us to be absolutely the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be. Gratitude is that quality of being thankful and ready to show appreciation for all that has been done for us. Uh, Gratitude is, is a feeling, yes, an emotion, an attitude, but more importantly, it's an acknowledgement of everything that we received and everything that we actually are indebted to be able to give back to others because of what has come to us. The experience of gratitude has historically been a focus of several world religions, certainly the centerpiece of our Christian faith. And it's been even considered very important by philosophers and different individuals who've written over the centuries. But, you know, recently, 
uh, starting around the year 2000, there is actually psychological studies that have been done on the power of gratitude. And uh, they've been studying this as they started to study the power of positive emotions instead of negative ones. Psychology used to be fixated on fixing all of the negative emotions that we experience and where they come from and what they're derivative of and all the rest of it. But now there's a, a new psychology which is focused on positive emotions and looking at how those can impact our lives. And so gratitude has become, in the last uh, couple decades, has become the focus of mainstream psychology in terms of uh, uh, studying how an attitude of gratitude affects people's lives. And this study of gratitude uh, within psychology has caused some interesting stuff to be discovered. Robert Emmons, who's a psychology professor at the University of California, and Michael McCullough, who's a psychology professor at the University of Miami, have gathered a large body of uh, scientific data on the nature of gratitude, on its causes and its potential consequences for human health and well-being. And this is interesting. Listen to this. They said, scientists are latecomers to the concept of gratitude. Religions and philosophies have long embraced gratitude as an indispensable manifestation of virtue and an integral component of health, wholeness, and well-being. Now, that's interesting. They finally came to that conclusion in the last couple decades. How many know the church has known that all along? Amen. Uh, you know, it's not surprising to us that, once again, science is late to the game, but catching up and finding out what we've been talking about all along, that the Bible tells us, in fact, commands us and says that the will of God, as we point out last week, for our life is to be filled with gratitude to be thankful. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God knew that if we lived our lives with a disposition of gratitude, that our lives would be better for it. And now the psychologists are finally agreeing. Isn't that something? <laughs> you know, the Psalms encourage us repeatedly to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. The Bible recognizes that power in a grateful heart. And you know, some, some of us, we just, we need to stop and recognize how much we have to be thankful for. Now, part of the reason we, we miss how much we should be thankful for is because we've never been anywhere, right? I mean, mo many people in this country will live their whole lives and never actually travel anywhere else in the rest of the world. And if they do, it'll be to a resort on a tropical island someplace, where people will bring out, you know, food and beverages for them on little silver trays, and they'll sit by the pool with their sunglasses on and roast in the sun. And that will be their world-traveling experience. And so they don't realize that the rest of the world does not live with the same level of favor and blessing that you live with right here in this country. And so a lot of times we don't have a proper attitude because we are not aware of how much we have compared to others. And yet the great irony of it all is that uh, having been to over 20 countries in the world and preached the gospel in so many different places and worked with so many different people, I've discovered that the attitude of gratitude is the foundation of people in countries where they have so little, but they're so grateful for what they have. Someone say amen. And we need to get a hold of that. We need to be a people who recognize just how blessed we are. And there's a number of reasons why we don't do that. As I mentioned last week, there's a great book by Dennis Prager, I think I, I talked about it last week, called 
Happiness is a Serious Problem. How many have ever read that book? Great book. And uh, Dennis Prager is a conservative uh, think tank writer. He works for uh, and writes for the conservative town hall online. He uh, is a, a Jewish um, scholar, and he has written number, numerous books. But my favorite one is his book, that Happiness is a Serious Problem. And he writes in the book, and he says that you and I owe it to the people that we love to be happy. We owe it to them. It's a debt we have to everyone else that we love and care about to be happy, to have a disposition uh, that's cheerful and that is joyful. And he said, now, what are the obstacles to that disposition? And, and virtually all the obstacles that he talks about surround the inability to be grateful. One of the things he talks about is what he calls the missing tile syndrome. He said, imagine that you were staying at the Waldorf Astoria and you walked into the lobby and everything's marble and, and crystal and everything else. And then as you're looking around, you happen to look up the ceiling and you notice that there's one ceiling tile missing in the ceiling. He goes, now, every time you walk through the foyer coming in and out of the building, all you notice is the missing tile. And he said, so many of us, that's a, that's a descriptor of our life. There's so many good things going on in your life, but the only thing you notice is the one thing that's missing. And it causes you to not see all of the things that you do have. Missing tile syndrome. He said the other one is the problem of comparison. It's another issue with gratitude. He said there are actually individuals in the sports world and in the movie uh, entertainment industry that, that insist that their contract is written in such a way that whatever money they make must be the highest paid person in the industry that year. There are athletes who have contracts like that. There are uh, actors that sign contracts like that because they can't handle the fact that somebody else might have something more than them. And they miss the fact that they're making uh, more money in a single picture than most of the world makes in their entire lifetime or in one season in their sporting event than most people make in their entire lifetime. But all they can see is that somebody else is making more than them and so they have not the ability to walk with gratitude. And it robs them of their joy and their happiness. So you see how gratitude becomes the foundation for a positive attitude. That your attitude is built on the ability to be grateful. On the ability to be thankful. To be able to look at all the things that are going on in your life and say, thank you, Jesus, for health. Thank you, Jesus, for the blessing of food. Thank you, Jesus, for my family. Thank you, Jesus, for, for the, the, the home in which I live, the vehicle which I drive, all of the blessings in my life, my friends, all the people around me. Thank you, Lord. And when I have that attitude of gratitude, my life is propelled to another level. But if my attitude is always focused on the things that I yet do not have, the things that maybe somebody has more of than I have or whatever, my attitude will plummet. Amen? So gratitude sets up the positive or a positive attitude in your life. Amen? And we know that we need that. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, everybody say whatever. 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul starts off those three verses saying, be thankful. And he finishes those three verses saying, do it all being thankful. And he says, whether in word or in deed, what does that mean? What does that mean? In word or in deed. It means that whether it's coming forth from your lips or whether it's the work of your hands, do it with gratitude. Be thankful. Be thankful. Amen? At work, be thankful. At home, be thankful. At play, I've watched a lot of Christians play hockey. Be thankful. But the guy just hit me from behind. Be thankful. Bible says, in all things, everybody say, all things, be thankful. In traffic, oh, I need help with this one, Jesus. Be thankful. We were coming home from Ikea on Wednesday in Ottawa, and uh, the 401 was closed from Kingston to uh, Odessa. So we had to reroute out Highway 2 an hour and a half to go from Sydenham Road in Kingston to Odessa. An hour and a half. Be thankful, Jesus. Be thankful. Be thankful. <laughs> had to remind myself several times. Be thankful. Be thankful. How many know in traffic is the most difficult place to be thankful? Anybody like me? Oh, help me, Lord. Be thankful. In good times, be thankful. In difficult times, be thankful. When you're blessed, be thankful. Even when you're suffering. We don't thank God for the suffering, but we are thankful in the suffering. Amen? Be thankful. Be able to say, God, you are so good. Your mercies endure forever. Great is your faithfulness. That's what needs to come off of our lips. Be thankful. That is the attitude of gratitude. Now, my message, as I said, is gratitude, attitude, altitude. And as Barry stole a little bit of that thunder earlier, but he was just teeing it up, just teeing it up. That's what it was. He's absolutely right that our attitude, right, which is built on gratitude, will determine your altitude. And I, and I, I thought that's nice and clichéic, but it's not just clichéic. It's actually a principle of the universe. Did you know that? Did you know that? There, there's a, a, a program we use here for premarriage counseling uh, done by Les and Leslie Parrott. It's called the Symbus uh, program, and it stands for Save Your Marriage Before It Starts, Symbus. And, uh, and it's basically a, a personality profile questionnaire that both the, you know, proposed couple goes through, and it, and it helps them assess their preparedness for marriage, right? So it's an excellent tool, and Les and Leslie Parrott have been doing this for over 20 years. Uh, they are a phenomenal couple. And uh, anyway, one, they tell in their video series the story of one time they were flying from Seattle to a little island off the coast, off the Pacific coast, to go into this resort area, and they were going to teach uh, a weekend seminar, marriage seminar, with a number of couples. So they run a little Cessna and little four-seater plane, so the pilot and, and Les got in beside the pilot in the front, and then Leslie was sitting behind them. And you know how you have your little headsets on if you've ever flown in a small plane? Uh, Peter, you remember what that was like? Great experience, wasn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> so they got on the plane and, and they were flying in. And so Les looks at the pilot because he wants to engage in some conversation. And he says to the pilot, he said, what's the most important thing to maintain or focus on when flying an aircraft like this, right? He said, what is the main thing you need to pay attention to? And the pilot said, you need to pay attention to your attitude. And Les, being a little smug, turned back in the back seat to his wife and he said, I think he meant to say altitude. And the pilot, of course, they got headsets on, they can hear each other. He said, no, 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 I meant to say attitude. He said, the most important thing is the plane's attitude. And he said, come again? And he goes, yes, the plane has to have the proper attitude that is the proper line of a sight or attack to the horizon. It can't be off to the left or the right or up or down. You need to maintain a proper attitude in order to maintain proper flight. So in other words, your attitude is actually what determines your altitude. And if you have a negative attitude, negative attitude, what happens, Wayne, when you get a negative attitude? The plane goes down. And the more negative your attitude, the faster it goes down. Are you hearing me this morning? And so what happens is that we see in the, in the world of aeronautics, we have a, a principle that is actually true for life as well, that if your attitude is negative, it will crash your life in, in despair because you need the proper attitude to maintain altitude. And if you want to soar above life circumstances, then you need a positive attitude so that you can continue to climb and to soar. Amen? And when I heard that story, I was like, wow, that is so true for life. That is so true for life. That pilot just preached the best sermon ever. And if I was in that plane, I'd want him to have a proper attitude, that's for sure. And having spent a lot of time in a little plane uh, myself, flew all the way to Haiti in one, I can tell you that uh, you're really thankful that the pilot has a right attitude with the plane because you like the plane to stay in the air. Amen? And so the point is that, that gratitude, which is the foundation for a positive attitude, will set your altitude in life. I know lots of people who say to me, yeah, you know, I remember going to the high school. I used to go and I used to do a TV program when I pastored in Lindsay and I would, I would, it wasn't allowed on the actual high school campus, you know. So we would just stand on the sidewalk in front of the school and we'd interview kids all the time. And depending on what topic we were doing on the show that month, we would interview young people and, and ask some questions. And, you know, one of the fav my favorite questions I would like to ask is, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? you know, when you're an adult. And some of them would give you career answers like, uh, you know, a dentist or a doctor or whatever. But a lot of times, this is what you got. Oh, I want to be a millionaire. Yeah, millionaire, 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 millionaire. You get seven kids around, one guy says millionaire, the rest all say millionaire. You want to be a millionaire? Yeah, millionaire. Yep, that's what I want to be. Any idea how you're going to get there? Uh, I don't know, but I want to be a millionaire. Okay, sure. I want to be a millionaire. The reality is that the only way you're going to achieve these things in life, whether it's dentist or millionaire, you know, is you have to have an attitude that gives you the right altitude so that you can rise to who you want to be. As Christians, we should be the people with the best attitude, and there's, there should be no mistake that we rise above the rest of the world to accomplish great things. 
Do you remember in the Old Testament uh, that King Solomon had people come from all over, including the Queen of Sheba, they came to see the kingdom of Solomon because his wealth and his wisdom were renowned throughout the known world at the time. Because as he followed God, God blessed him and God's blessing propelled him above everybody else. How much more should it be true of the body of Christ? Are you hearing me? It's the natural consequence of walking with Christ. So much so that many sociologists recognize a term called redemption and lift. It's when a society experiences the gospel, it lifts them out of poverty. That their whole culture is changed and it lifts them out of poverty. And so when we see the gospel being preached, it lifts people. When it's truly embraced, it lifts people. Now, I don't mean religion. I mean the gospel. And it lifts us above where we were, and we end up living better than we did before. Amen? How does that happen? Well, because maybe before they knew Christ, they were an alcoholic. God sets them free from alcoholism, and now they have money to put food on the table for their family, for their kids to get an education, for their, their wife to live without domestic violence and abuse. Do you see how it works? And as people come to Christ, and as a whole culture gets redeemed, the people are lifted up in their strata, and the quality of life improves for everyone. Because gratitude creates an attitude that gives us the altitude to rise above where we are. Amen? You remember the study I told, talked to you about at the beginning about gratitude? Remember that? Well, listen to this. This is what they concluded at the end. They said, compared with those who dwell on daily hassles, people who take time instead to record their reasons for giving thanks, exercise more regularly, complain of fewer illnesses and symptoms, feel better about their lives overall. They also feel more loving, forgiving, joyful, enthusiastic, and optimistic about their futures, while their family and friends report that they seem happier and more pleasant to be around. (laughs) This is some secular psychologist came to that conclusion about gratitude through scientific empirical study came to the same conclusion that the Bible tells us, that those with a grateful heart will enjoy happiness and joy, peace and strength in our life. Amen? Then he concluded with this. He said, gratitude is literally one of the few things that can measurably change people's lives. Let me say that again. Gratitude is literally one of the few things that can measurably change people's lives. Amen. Amen. All four of the Gospels record the story of Mary who came and broke open the alabaster jar upon Jesus' feet, right? All four of the Gospels talk about it. There's kind of a little bit of question mark over which Mary this was, but many scholars believe it was Mary Magdalene who came and to the presence of Jesus and broke open the alabaster jar and, and, and literally poured it out on his feet and then used her hair to wipe his feet. And uh, of course, you all know the story, how that, uh, you know, the disciples were shocked by this whole display and 
And of course, uh, you know, Judas complained that, you know, such waste this was to take this uh, expensive perfume and to, you know, pour it out in such a wasteful manner. And uh, we know that the, the Bible says that the amount or the value of what was poured out was equal to a year's wages. Well, if indeed it was Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. So the ointment poured out on Jesus' feet, the year's wages was from a year of operating and making a living through sin. And this woman came into Jesus' presence, taking the reserves, the money that she'd made from a life of sin, and she bought this ointment, this, this perfume, and she poured it out on the Savior's feet and fell at his feet. And Jesus accepted that gift. Jesus accepted that gift. And the, the thing I find marvelous about this is if we, is I don't know how we get this confused in our minds, but, you know, we have this religious notion that somehow we've got to clean ourselves up before Jesus will accept us. My goodness, where do we get that from? How can we not look at the scripture and see that, that, that Mary... She came and she threw herself at his feet, a prostitute. And she, instead of worrying about cleaning herself up, she poured the oil upon Jesus' feet. She poured it upon Jesus' feet. And Jesus received it as an act of worship. Why? Because it came from a clean vessel? Because it came from a pure vessel? No, because it came from a broken vessel because it came from a vessel filled with gratitude. It came from a vessel that was, that was so aware of how unworthy they were and yet how loved they were. And they fell at Jesus' feet and poured it out on their master. Jesus doesn't accept us because we're clean. He accepts us as we are and he makes us clean. He makes us clean. You know, the Bible says that your own works of righteousness to him are like filthy rags. They're worthless to be discarded. They mean nothing. Nothing. I love all these people. You know, the main common answer I get in society when I talk to people who say they believe in God, but they're not into church or they're not into this, they're not into that. <laughs> the main thing I get, well, I've lived a good life. Bully, bully for you. To say that I should get into heaven because I lived a good life is to say no to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It's to say no to the price that was paid for you. It's to belittle what he did on your behalf. It's a rejection of grace. And it's a heart that doesn't have an attitude of gratitude. Because if we truly understood what Jesus did, then we would come before him and we would fall on our faces before him and we would say, Jesus, thank you for all that you have done for me. See, this story of Mary reinforces the power of the gospel. That only by coming to Jesus as a broken individual and being grateful for his incredible love and sacrifice, then we get in. That's how we get in. That's our ticket. 
It's not anything I've done. It's not anything I will ever do. It's what Jesus has done on my behalf. That's my ticket. That's, my, that's what's been purchased for me with his blood. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? And that's what makes us also aware of our principle for this month. That gratitude opens up the heart of generosity. Do you see, Mary fell down on her face before God and she was so filled with gratitude that she was generous. She took a year's wages and poured them out in worship at the feet of the Savior. You know, I have Christians say, well, why, well, you know, tithing's Old Testament. I don't have to tithe. Well, if that's your attitude. My attitude is I'm so grateful. I mean, all he wants is 10%? <laughs> wow. He's entitled to everything. So I, I, I return him 10, I get to keep 90? Good deal. That's just a life. Pr- and, and then not only that, he says, when you do that, see if I won't open up the heavens and pour out such a blessing that that 90 goes further than the 100 did in the first place. Really? That's the way it works, Lord? And he goes, yeah, that's the way it works. I, I've, I've, you know, when people ask me about tithing and they get, you know, into arguments about whether they have to tithe, and I said, you know what, really, it, it, don't tithe then. Please don't. Because if you can't do it from a heart of gratitude, then your offering, hello, your offering isn't much good. It's tainted. But if we can come to God and give from a heart of gratitude, then we can open up the vault and we can just pour out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Mary, a whole year's wages wasted in worship. Hallelujah. Can you imagine? Some of you are like, I make a hundred grand a year. You, the whole thing on worship? Oh my word. Your heart's starting to stop already even as we talk about it. Such a crazy notion, but that's what Mary did. You see, what God wants is our heart. And we start with gratitude. And when we do, it, just, it changes the whole foundation of our attitude. And it causes us to rise above every problem and circumstance in our life. And when we do, we find ourselves in this new place, this place of generosity, where no gift, no sacrifice, no work is too big to give to the Lord. Amen? And I think that's, that is what we need to learn from this story of Mary. That there, was, there wasn't anything that she wouldn't give to her Lord and Savior because she had a grateful heart. John F. Kennedy said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words but to live by them. Mary did that. Mary did that. She lived by them. She worshiped extravagantly before her Savior. So what about you and I? Difficult for us to follow her exact example since Jesus is not physically sitting here in front of us, but what are some of the ways that we can daily live with an full-on attitude of gratitude. How can we do that? Well, for me, it's simple. Here's what I, I like to do. I get up every morning, and, and I just 
thank God. You know the old saying, count your blessings? I get up in the morning and I'm thankful to God for my blessings. Uh, virtually every morning I wake up and I'm, I'm thankful for, for my, my spouse, my wife. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for all my grandchildren, which are amazing. I have now 11 of the greatest grandchildren on planet Earth. I can just tell you that. Virtually flawless, every one of them. And, uh, and, you know, uh, and obviously the envy of most people because I have 11 grandchildren and I have number 12 on the way. Told by my kids that it will be the 12th and final grandchild. Is that not right, Amanda? Yes, 12th and final grandchild. Uh, but I got my dozen. You know, it was one of my prayers. I wanted a dozen grandkids. And, uh, you know, Ryan, he, he pulled extra weight, him and Jenna, with five. But, but the end result's still the same. I'm getting my dozen grandchildren, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Now, I'm also grateful that I'm not raising them. Last week, when Paula went in for the C-section, right? Uh, so we went out to the house to stay with the other kids on Thursday night. Derek and Paula came into our house because she had to be at the hospital at 5 in the morning on Friday. So they came in and stayed at our house. We went out to be with the kids, right? So we went out there, brought dinner out with us with the kids, and then Derek and Paula abandoned us. And we were there with these three kids. <sighs> And then, you know, finally you get them to sleep, and I'm just laying there almost in a coma. And, and then they wake up at 6 in the morning. Why? And, and so I'm up at 6 in the morning with these kids, and then all day I'm with these three kids. And then, you know, Derek stays with Paul at the hospital all day, and then he came home that night uh, and then would go back in the next morning to take her out. They only kept her in one 24 hours after the C-section. So he comes home that night. I was praying for him to get there. He, he, he got there about 6 o'clock, and I said, okay, let's go, dear, let's go. You know, love my grandkids, but I am so aware of how much energy you need to raise children. Whoa. And, and, and not only, as soon as the school ended, we had Derek's three, but then Ava came over, and, and Cooper were there, and I had five of them outside, and my wife hid in the house using the excuse that she was cleaning everything for Paula when she got home, and I was outside with all five of them. Wow, that takes a lot of energy. So I'm grateful for my grandkids, but I'm grateful for their parents doing a great job raising them. So I can visit, sneak in, spoil them, and sneak back out. It's a perfect scenario. Hallelujah. But you know, I get up in the morning and I thank God for my children. I thank God for my grandchildren. I thank God for the friends that God's put in my life. I thank God for the church family. I, I spend most of my morning time with the Lord just thanking him. That's what I do. I thank him. Well, you mean you're not in deep intercession? No, I'm just filled with gratitude. I'm just filled with gratitude. Then throughout the day, second thing you do, throughout the day, look for opportunities to present themselves when you can exercise gratitude with other people. Remember I said gratitude was not just a feeling, but it was, it was actually giving back. So you look for opportunities to give blessing, to bless people. And, and God provides them. We just often miss them because we're not looking for them. So it might be the person in front of you in the lineup that that doesn't have quite enough money and they're about to put an item back in the cart or whatever, and no, 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 just, and, and you jump in and pay for it. 
or going through a drive-thru, take care of the person behind you. Uh, you know, whatever you can do, just be a blessing. Someone comes into your office and they, you can tell that they're, they're not having a good day and you, you know, typically, well, I only got five minutes. No, no, take the time to minister to them and find out what's going on in their life. Are you hearing me this morning? Just be aware of what you can do for other people. Then to take time in the middle of the day, you get to the middle of the day, take some time to stop and just, again, be thankful. Look at what God's already done in the day and then say, God, I'm ready for what you have remaining for me in the rest of the day. That's your midway point place. Then number four, make sure I like to try and connect with family as much as I possibly can. So if I haven't seen a grandkid for, you know, a day for 24 hours, I'll usually stop home on the way home at, you know, John and Amanda's and get a grandkid fix because I, you know, you have to have some contact with family every day. Are you hearing me? Even if it's just phoning, talking on the phone, staying connected because God has given us and blessed us with so much, we need to reinforce that and build that in them. And then finally, end your day doing the same thing before you go to bed at night. Get together and with your spouse and just thank God. I have couples say to me, I don't know how to pray together. You know, I understand sometimes, you know, if you're trying to get into intercession or something that, and, you're, and you're not used to it, it could be awkward, but is it, is it really awkward to just be thankful? You can do that together. You can get in the presence of God and just say, hon, let's just, let's, just take, let's just take 10 minutes and just be thankful to God. Just name some things that you're thankful to. We just talk to God. We're thankful. Thankful. It's not that complicated, is it? That's what we need to be the people of, the people of gratitude who have the best attitude and as a result, soar with an altitude above every problem and circumstance that this world brings. That's why we've said this over and over again in the midst of this whole season we're in. I know you don't like it. I know nobody likes it. I know there's, there's fear on both sides of the spectrum, people afraid of, you know, the, 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 the ravages of the, of the virus and all the rest, and people afraid of government overreach and the impacts it's had on their life and all the rest. I get that. But we, we rise above fear. Amen? Why? Because we are filled with gratitude. And it gives us an attitude that propels us above every circumstance and situation. That as for me and my house... We serve the Lord. Amen? And I am not distracted by all those things. My focus is on Jesus. And I just want to be an encouragement to anybody in any part of the spectrum. I'm here to be God's hand of encouragement and blessing. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, that's all I got for you today. But that's a pretty good load, isn't it? Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Hallelujah. Would you just take your hands this morning, kind of put them out in front of you like this. Put your hands out like that. And this is a, if someone's going to put something into your hands, this is the posture you would take, you know. And, and when God gives us something, you don't just hold out one hand like this. Because I don't know about you, but I don't just want a few pennies worth. I want, I want the full package. Whatever God has for me, I, I, want, I want him to lay me down with it. So I, I need both hands out there to be able to receive what God wants to pour out. And if our attitude is that, that we, we want what you want to give us, Lord, and we want, we want it to the full, God will give it to us. You see, if, if we'll have faith for it, God will do it. Amen? Pressed down, shaken together, 
overflowing, he'll pour it into your lap. Amen? So, Father, we hold out our hands today to symbolize the attitude of spirit that we have right now. That, Father, our attitude is of gratitude. And we hold out our hands and we say, Lord, we are here positioning ourselves in relationship with you that you, God, can pour anything you desire into our life. And, Father, we will take what you want to give to us. We will take all of it. We will take, Lord, without reservation, what you desire to give. And Father, we know that, Lord, the Bible says that that the blessings of God are rich and they add no sorrow. That, Father, you desire to give us so much more than we can even think or imagine. And so today we hold out our hands and we are grateful. And we say, Lord, whatever you bless us with, we will be we will be faithful to pass that blessing on, that we will become a conduit of your glory to those around about us. And Father, we will rise each day with gratitude and we will end each day with gratitude. And in the middle, we will find ways to pass on your blessing to other people that we encounter. Father, we're so grateful for your many blessings upon us today. Father, we're so grateful. And Lord, as a result, our heart is filled with generosity. And Lord, we know that we can never outgive you. So Lord, as you pour it in, we will give it to others. Father, we thank you today. We give you praise. We give you glory. We are grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So what you're going to do this week, you're going to start every day with gratitude, right? Then you're going to look for opportunities to give that away. You're going to stop in the middle of the day and you're going to do kind of an analysis, give thanks again. Number four, you're going to connect with family, and you're going to be thankful for that. And at the end of the day, number five, what are you going to do again? You're going to end the day with thankfulness. Do that and watch the kind of week you have. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you. Love to see you again next week. Take care and be blessed.